Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Okay, Penn State people, Bob Flounders, Dave Jones. It's already getting interesting uh, in Penn State's post-regular season. We have a ton to talk about, Dave, uh, and hopefully we can get to all of it. But let's just get started. Uh, Dave, as we record this, it's, it sure looks like Brent Pry is on the verge and about to become Virginia Tech's next head coach. Been reported by Pete Thamel that it's not, not a done deal, but close. It is a done deal. It's done. Okay. You know, I, I think we've been expecting this actually for a while yeah. now, haven't we? He could have taken other jobs that weren't of this quality. Yeah. He, he could have taken other jobs from group of right. five schools. He chose to. Right. Uh, stick it out for this. And, you know, good for him. He's getting paid and everyone's getting paid these days, man. His patience has been rewarded. I know that, like you said, I would say there's been at least three, maybe four uh, chances, maybe for Brent uh, to, to move on. And, you know, they were, they're not they're, the offers are not nearly as good, obviously, or the jobs are not nearly as good as the Virginia Tech job. That job, I think Dave has been open for a, a few weeks now. And I and I have to think that you know, considering the relationship between Brent and James Franklin, that James probably knew um, something was in the works for a while. Yeah, which which is the next question everyone's going to ask is who's going to replace him. Yeah. So you would think it's not like Franklin is ever at a loss for guys in his Rolodex. He's always <laughs> prepared. It's it's one of the things he does well as he reacts to these situations for good or bad. He has a guy ready to load in. Just for the Virginia Tech to pride of Virginia Tech, he has a background at Virginia Tech. He was a grad assistant back there and learned a lot of uh, what he knows from Bud Foster, who's one of the great DCs of all time. But what do you think? I think Brent's a really good fit at Virginia Tech culturally, but I think some of the people down there in Blacksburg are there. It's been it's been (laughs) shown that they are not a top tier school the way they thought they were or they wouldn't be getting a dc with no head coaching experience right as their head coach even though they're a power five program they're not of the ilk that maybe they thought they were and that's upsetting some people so there's always a question of whether you make a guy with no head coaching experience your head coach at this level Mm -hmm. Uh, i think they need to be a ceo and i'm not sure you know brent was a quarterback in college or high school, I forget which. I guess high yeah. school. I think he was from Altoona. He's from Altoona, I believe. But he is a DC. He's a defensive specialist. You would you would agree with that? So yeah. it, all, it always gives me some pause. Whereas um, a guy like the, the 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 perfect example of a head coach CEO is Bill Belichick. Whereas he is a defensive specialist, he had a broad range of knowledge of a whole organizational structure that he learned from the tuna and a bunch of guys before he became a head coach. So that's my question to you. It's involved. Is Brent Pry a head coach? 
Yeah, the tuna is Bill Parcells. Just so for our younger for our younger listeners, I think a lot of people know who you meant when you said the tuna. But yeah, Bill Parcells. I actually covered some of those teams, Dave, <clears throat> uh, in my first uh, full time job, uh, the Express Times in Easton. We actually covered a couple of those giant teams. I was I covered them in eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety, and ninety one and ninety two. So. Uh, Man, Bill Bill Belichick was a tremendous defensive coordinator, but he was definitely schooled and schooled well by Bill Parcells on how to manage a game, you know, what goes into it, detail, all that stuff. Uh, his, a lot of his philosophy he got from Bill Parcells. But as far as Brent Pry goes, you know, um, I'm glad that he's getting his shot because you just don't know how much was he under James's thumb? How much, you know, latitude did he really have maybe on game day? I assume he had a ton of latitude. But James is just one of those guys you just don't know. I think I think he is uh, just watching James be a CEO and what he goes through, I think, will help Brent. Um, I'll be curious to see what he does. You're right. He's a defensive guy. So who will be his offensive coordinator? That's one. And the other thing, Dave, is will he take some Penn State coaches or some former Penn State coaches with him to Virginia Tech? The, the first point is this. Whenever a guy who's a decided specialist in his one yeah. discipline becomes a head coach, they, there's got to be a sea change in what they do and what they understand. They have to be an yeah. amateur psychologist more than anything with players. I mean, they're an emotional conduit for the team. They are the touchstone for all of these guys to get them ready to play uh, more than anything else. And yeah. getting the, the coaches revved up and ready to go out and recruit. I mean, the coaches are getting ready to go into this, this siege right now, which is sure. what is it going to be until December 15th? I mean, yeah. it's incredible work. It is incredible. And it's, it's most of the commitments are done, but it's still a two week window where it, it's just a lot of work, man. It's like, it's like a, a, a nonstop sales binge. If you were uh, working on commission in a car dealership and you, you had to sell so many cars, so many widgets of any kind in a, in a in compressed, that, that takes, that takes a head coach who really gets his staff revved up. If the staff is revved up at this time, which you know, James Franklin's done a great job at recruiting. That's part of it is getting the staff revved up for that. So you get the players you need to compete. Can Brent Pry do that? I mean, that's a, it's a big leap. Steve Sarkeesian hasn't been able to pull it off and he's had two chances, offensive specialist. Is it really about the fact that he doesn't understand defense very well? Probably not really. I mean, he's, you have to be an overall organizational guru. And all guys aren't aren't cut out for that, especially when you've been devoting all your time to one side of the ball and granular stuff. All of a sudden, you got to see a big picture. So I think it's something that ADs, a lot of ADs miss when they're picking guys. Uh, we, like you said, you don't know how how good Brent Pry is going to be at this, and until you see it. As for him taking assistance. It's all about who might be the D.C. on his staff. I don't think he's going to take anyone from the offensive staff. But who do you see maybe being a D? Because if you get you get a D.C. job at a power five now, you're talking about at Virginia Tech, probably six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars as opposed to half that being a position coach. 
So it's a huge step up. And the important part is it's one step from being a head coach. And I'm just guessing, I haven't seen any figures from Brent at Virginia Tech, but you're, you're probably thinking about four or five million dollars now. Uh, because everyone's making such crazy money that used to be thought of as crazy money, uh, um, even on the power five level, not anymore. So uh, that's the kind of money upgrade that everyone's getting. So I don't I don't know who you think might they might steal that, that he might steal. I just know that um, it's happened. I think it's happened before. I think I think when Joe Moore had left for Mississippi State, I think he took Charles Huff with him. Yeah. Um, I I, th- I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that that Brent with maybe with James's blessing uh, would would take a couple of guys if there are better opportunities that they have that they currently have maybe at Penn State. And I'll, the other thing, Dave, is you know you know Brent Pride may have a defensive coordinator in name, but his fingerprints I would have to think are going to be all over the Hokies defense. So it's going to be real important because I have a hard time thinking he won't be, he won't be in the defensive meeting room quite a bit. And I think that he could very well just call the place. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, I know he's got a lot to do on game day, but you look at a guy like Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, who is the head coach. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty, you know, I, I think he might just opt to do something along those lines too. Well, would he take Poindexter with him? Well, like I said, I think the key is now, you know, James and Brennan have, they go so far, far, far back. And I think that James played for maybe his dad at East Stroudsburg or his dad was a coach at East Stroudsburg. So the history is there that Dave, I don't think Brent's going to do anything that James doesn't sign off of. That's what I would tell you is I I can't see him doing that. I think that there's going to, there's a lot of respect there. I'm sure it's not going to be easy for James. He's been with him a long time, but I would imagine that if Brent's going to have some guys go with him from Penn State, I think what James James would probably say, "Look," and to your point, you're right. He could take some Penn State guys if it's a better opportunity for the guy and his family. So you're right. If there's a defensive assistant that that James isn't going to, if he's got his guy as the DC and one of the one of the defensive coaches that Brent really likes um, is offered the DC job, I mean James is going to say, "Absolutely, you can go." Yeah, he said there's yeah. there's no question about it. Sure, You're doubling sure. your salary. I mean, it's life-changing money at that point. I am curious. Now, you've got somebody in mind as yeah. the replacement DC. Go ahead. As Woody would have said, come ahead. Come ahead, Bob. Yeah. Come ahead. Yeah. So this is now this is this is just the, the first guy that came to my mind. And <laughs> these these podcasts, <laughs> they can get outdated really quick. So that's, <laughs> that is the caveat that we are throwing out there. Who knows what James Franklin is thinking, but he has made no secret, Dave, that he he is a, a world-class networker. He goes to these coaches' conventions. Uh, you know, he's it's not unusual for him to visit or have dinner or lunch with a bunch of assistants that have caught his eye. I guarantee this has not caught him by surprise. You know that, too. He's got his list. I'm sure there's multiple names on it. The guy that jumped out to me was Sean Spencer, who was his defensive line coach. He came with him from Vanderbilt. I thought he did a great job as the defensive line coach at Penn State. He has uh, been away from Penn State now for a couple of years. He is now the New York Giants, I believe, defensive line coach. That That is a guy that I thought was widely respected, not only as a position coach, but also as a recruiter. That is music to James's ears. He's already got contacts, you know, 
where Penn State wants to go. He is a name that jumps out to me. I'm not sure how that would go, but I think he's ready now that he's had some NFL experience. He's, he certainly knows the defensive side of the ball very well. I, I, he would be a guy that I think would be very high on James's list. I don't know if it's feasible, but I think it would be a good fit. And the other thing I would say is, you know, the New York Giants is, have not exactly won a ton of games the Ooh, last couple of years. So I, I would just wonder about a guy like Sean Spencer. I'm sure Penn State fans have a bunch of guys they'd like to see with the job. He's a guy that I would be on the lookout for, and it would not surprise me. And the way things are working right now with the money in college sports, we're, ta- we're talking about Brian Kelly, a reported $10 million per <laughs> over 10. Did you hear that with LSU? Yes. John uh, Gruden money, man. Yeah. Well, that's the point. Yeah. I think the tail's wagging the dog as far as what, what we used to think of, of the superiority of the NFL. Not only are college guys going to the NFL and succeeding as far as coaches and their, all their, their ideas being taken and, and implemented in the NFL, but the, the college salaries are to the extent now where they're not only commensurate, but sur- surpassing NFL salaries. So it, it, because the NFL season lasts longer, I think a lot of times a guy like uh, Spencer, he's got to prepare. You don't know the season's not done yet. So Sean's got to be thinking about his future right now. Uh, the, the college job and jobs are open right now. He, he might be cut free in four weeks or something or five or, or seven. He can't wait that long. Right. If you're going to if you're going to prepare to take a job and the, the money is terrific, you got to You got to prepare right now. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, that, it's that, a different situation, especially with the, the early recruiting window, which is really the only recruiting right. window. Really, the February thing is passe. I mean, there really is no February right. signing. Those are leftovers. Anymore. Those are leftovers, yeah. or you know, a, you know, an unexpected something falls through with a kid or whatever. That's largely you're right. Uh, it's I, I guess leftovers is a strong word, but the hay should be in the barn by mid December. And I do think, like I said, Sean Spencer is just somebody that jumped out to me. I don't know, and he might not. It might, it might not be an option. James might have. Somebody else he loves more. He might, at your, to your point, Dave, he might like somebody a lot on his staff. Um, I just, you know, Poindexter impressed me this year. Um, but, you know, know, knowing James a little bit and how he's operated, I, I just wonder if spending one year with, with a guy at Penn State would be enough for him to even consider, you know, something like that. What about Terry Smith? You know, he's been with James uh, for a while. He coaches the corners. I don't know how James feels about Terry Smith. He's certainly been with him a long time, um, but I feel like we probably should mention him for sure. Um, if, if it was going to be somebody on the staff, Dave, uh, it would, he would probably be my best guess just because of the longevity. He knows what James wants. He knows what James expects. He knows how to recruit. Um, that would be probably be the guy uh, on the staff, but we'll see what James is going to do. And we'll see if James is going to be impacted by the fact that Signing day is December 15th. Does he need to get it done before then? Or James is such a good recruiter. He might just say, he might just assure everyone, hey, I, I, got, a, I, I got a guy in mind. I can't announce it now. Just trust me. Uh, you're, you're not going to be sorry. Well, the way guys flip now and the guy, the way yeah. coaches try to flip guys, I think sooner rather than later is the way to go. And considering how Franklin yes. always has somebody ready, I wouldn't be surprised if we heard a name in the next uh, couple of days. Pry and Bob Shoup were co-coordinators uh, in James's first season at, at Penn State. I think they did have the same titles at 
uh, when James was at uh, Vanderbilt for three years. So this is quite a long, it's a long relationship. It's a long friendship. And I'm sure it's, you know, when, 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 when Brent reached out to James, whatever it was, it, obviously it wasn't, you know, in the last 24, 48 hours, I'm sure it was a little bit tough, but yeah, I'll be interested to hear what James has to say. I'll be interested oh, to hear what Brent Pry has to say uh, when he takes the job. And I, I just, I, I'm, I'm eager to see uh, who he has for the next DC. I think this has been expected for years, yeah. really. I mean, uh, Brett Pry was the typical coaching nomad. His, his, all of his yeah. prior career, he never stayed anywhere more than three, four years tops. And he was hopscotched from one place to another to another until he uh, joined Franklin at Vanderbilt. And he's, he's been with the same guy now for, what, 10 years? So that's that's a long time. And this one tenure at Penn State for seven was six of uh, six as a DC. Is that correct? As as the singular DC. Yeah, I think Bob Shub left after the 15 season. If I'm yeah. Not so that, so five is the singular DC. That's a long time. That's a long time for him. And I remember you making noises about how you thought uh, Pry would leave two, three years ago because. I thought he I thought he had one foot out the door, I think, for one of these opportunities. And, and it just at the last minute, I think he just opted to stay. But, yeah, I think I was surprised he stayed at Penn State as long as he did. I know now I know the fan base has some strong feelings about Brent Price defenses uh, as well. But I just think that, you know, for the consistency um, and, and, you know, exactly, I just think that he, he was probably very much underrated uh, and I think underappreciated, I think, by some of the fans. You know what? Some coaches just do that to themselves because they can't yeah. do. It, it gets back to the thing I said about James Franklin. They can't do what James Franklin can do. James Franklin and I'll tell you another guy is Yursich. No matter what you think of him, he projects that aura yeah. of a head coach. He clearly wants to be a head coach. To me, Brent Pry always looked like a DC. He acted like a DC. I'm sure he can transition. He's kind of got that, uh, you know, mountain man vibe to him, and he'll be great. <laughs> he'll be a perfect fit in Blacksburg as far as culturally. Uh, who knows whether he's going to win or not. Anyway, that's enough of that stuff. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. What we were getting into is really the, the salaries in college football. It gets back to what I was saying uh, last year where I told everybody, <laughs> do not believe this sobbing and crying from athletic departments that they're, geez, we're going to have to cut program. Where is that all now? I mean, are you kidding me? They're making money hand over fist. They don't even need to worry about budgeting. The salaries are crazy. Mel Tucker, 95 over 10. James Franklin, 72 over 10. This is before bonuses, performance bonuses. And now this, Brian Kelly, who, you know, the Notre Dame people thought he was their guy. He even has an Irish name, Kelly. And he looks like an Irishman. And he's <laughs> their guy. Well, no, you know, it's all about the money. It's all about the money all the time. Money for hire. 
to feed the ego of a guy who needs to get a natty. He wants to get a national championship. Can he get it at Notre Dame? No, ever. They were never winning. You agree with that, right? He was never winning a national championship at Notre Dame. I don't know that anyone ever will. Do you agree with that again? Yeah, yeah. and I I actually, you know what? I mean, I think think he did a hell of a job at Notre Dame. Yeah, he did a great job. I think he is a brilliant, brilliant offensive mind. And, you know, I think he is a guy that at LSU – getting a different caliber of athlete. Uh, Notre Dame fans won't believe that, but the, the, the guys that he's going to be able to get at LSU, uh, I, I think I think this is a great hire for LSU. A great well, hire. An, and I think he, he's, he's, he, can get a t- he can get a program going immediately. Yeah. All you need to know is Notre Dame hasn't won a national title since Lou Holtz 33 years ago, 1988, over West Virginia. And then Major Harris and those guys, those guys tried to compete with him and they couldn't. Notre Dame had a different caliber of guy back then. And more important, you really did had, we're only beginning to see the influx of, um, of Florida guys and Texas guys all over the country. That, well, that hadn't happened yet. And you, you certainly hadn't happened, seen the, the dominance of Southern culture over college football. None of that had happened yet. Now, college football has almost become a regional sport, and the epicenter of recruiting in the entire country is not just the Gulf Coast, but Louisiana. If you had to, this, is, this isn't my opinion. This is statistical fact. There are more NFL players per capita from Louisiana than any other place. And all of a sudden, Brian Kelly, who is supposed to be this tactical uh, genius is going to get his hands on guys down there. I'm sure he w- he's not a big recruiter. He never cared, but it, it's like assistants have, have always done all the recruiting at, at all these places anyway. He'll get assistants to do that. He'll guys get guys climbing over themselves like pet shop turtles to have those <laughs> jobs under him because he knows, they know that, that, that this is going to be a well-run organization, which it hasn't always been. All you need to know about Notre Dame vis-a-vis LSU, people crack me up when they say, well, this is, I I was just talking to somebody on Facebook who's a good dude and a smart guy, but he's a Notre Dame sicko. You know, he really believes that I don't see how he's closer to a national championship now (laughs) than he was before. I was like, what are you talking about? What what are you smoking, man? I mean, they, they, they have a, there's certain schools that the fans have an elevated opinion. We cover one from mm-hmm. what they really are. And Notre Dame is certainly one of them. Uh, at LSU, you can get anybody into school. You, you, you have the, the, like I said, the, the core, the hub of recruiting in uh, the entire nation. Terrific players down there. You've had three national championships just in the new millennium down there. Two of them, <laughs> two of them constructed by stone idiots. I mean... <laughs> What are, I'm, I'm sorry, but but and you're not but, talking about Nick Saban. No, I'm not talking about Nick Saban. So Les Miles and Eddie Argon. I mean, I it, it's 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 not not complicated. So that's what he's doing. So he's gotten a station in life. Well, what what is he left to accomplish? He he needs to cash in seriously because it's out there. Why wouldn't you? And I sure hope you never cross paths with Eddie O, Dave. <laughs> 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 he might like a word with you. <laughs> 
Well, come on. I mean, yeah, these I guys know. are not geniuses. Know. They, you don't need to be. That's what I'm telling you. The, the Notre Dame people seem to have this image of what this game is. No, man, it's a big, dirty business, and you can get players down there that you can't get at Notre Dame or into school at Notre Dame. I mean, that's why they've won three national championships down there in the new millennium in the last 18 years. That's what it's about. And you could argue, I mean, think of the guys that coached before Les Miles. You remember so before Saban, you remember some of those guys down there? Yeah. I mean, their problem was always that they had such bad coaching that they never got anywhere close to the national title for a while there. Jerry, not Denard? Jerry. No, not Jerry. I mean, okay. Jerry is right. I just didn't want yeah. you to lump him in with those guys. That's right. That was good. You saved me there. But yeah. but there, yeah. there were other guys. You know, I'm not going to yeah. get into it. Uh, <laughs> Charlie McClendon. You remember him? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they've always had talent down there. Now they've got a technician. So the, the problem is this with this Kelly hire. I don't think he's a cultural fit at all. And he will be if he wins. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But but Ordron was a I always thought was a great hire because he fit. And that that is more important than people realize. He fit there. He's an old Cajun. You can't understand half of what he's saying, but they know they can understand. And that's the flip side of the coin. Uh, He was a great fit down there because I, I really wouldn't have ever gotten rid of him. I mean, he he understands the area. And that's a lot of it. I, I lived through something in Columbus where they brought John Cooper up, who was, you know, a Tennessee hillbilly up into Columbus. And they immediately did not, they weren't going to give him the benefit of the doubt for anything. You don't need the cultural fit when you're winning, when, when you're winning, when you're winning big, you don't need any of that. Everyone loves a winner. It's when you, you need a few, a few games, a, a year or two to get over the hump. That's the problem. And Cooper never got the benefit of the doubt because he people didn't like him. They would have loved him at Tennessee when he came out of Arizona State. If Tennessee had hired him out of Arizona State, it might have worked out completely different for him. But I, I, I just got a question about Brian Kelly in in the Bayou. I don't, I, I don't know about that. Dave, you teed me up perfectly. I'm glad you did said what you just said. Talk about a guy that's a fit. Talk about an image. Am I crazy? Oh, I know where you're Bill going. O'Brien you're and going. Notre Dame. Yeah. Bill O'Brien and Notre Dame. Yeah. Is it possible? I think it might be. Well, I don't, I, I don't know. There if were the some Notre ties Dame. with Billy O'Brien and Notre Dame before he came to Penn State, were there not? You told me about know, that. I don't know if Notre Dame fans would want that, but maybe they should want that, you know, because he's got that, that tight end kind of offense that's, that's tough yep. and rough and cold weather. Yep. Um, it, that is a fit. He's going to get endorsements from Nikki Saban and Bill Belichick. I'm telling yep. you. Yep. I think I think he's a I think he's a finalist for that job just based on everything we've just talked about. And his name begins with O apostrophe, which that should be <laughs> half of it, right? I just think it makes too much sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that he wants to be a head coach. He's gonna. I mean, it's it would be a it would be an interesting marriage for sure. But I mean, he he works some miracles at Penn state for a couple of years, but, and you just wonder if it might not be, you know, Alabama is playing Georgia this week. If they hang, if they hang close, they don't have to win. I just think that, but then again, if Georgia beats him 34 to three, maybe it's time to 
Think about somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this will be the uh, referendum on the the last couple of that that game is going to be the referendum on probably whether he gets that job. Uh, see Lincoln Riley at USC, another perfect fit culturally. He's going to go out there. He's going to be doing his four Chapman up and down the sideline with his <laughs> visor on. He's perfect there. It makes nothing wrong sense. with visors, Dave. There's nothing wrong with them. <laughs> um, he is, and he's already got. I think he's already poached OU's top two recruits. There, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think they're going to go to. They have already flipped the USC. Let's get the three things. They don't have to be long. We, let's talk about bowls. Let's talk about championship weekend. I'm excited about championship weekend because when you're in the Penn State bubble, Dave, it's really hard to kind of scour the country. Like I have not seen. I'm just. I'm excited to see this Georgia team play. Um, and I, I'm excited to just to see that defense. I'm excited to see Saban try and come up with some kind of strategies to keep that game, you know, close or win it. But I just, I'm mean, really excited to see some really good players play this weekend because we do have Heisman votes. And it starts with Oregon, Utah on Friday night, where another yeah. guy with Penn State ties is going to get a chance to show his wares. And if they put up 45 or something on a really tough Utah team, That'll get Joe Moorhead a shot, I think. I think he's shot. already been mentioned in connection with a, a, a Mac school already. Correct. But but okay. I think he can do better than that okay. if, he, if he makes a big splash. I got it. Um, I got it. And then you've got Michigan, Iowa. Do you, <laughs> what do you Just think about the Spencer? under? All you have to do, people, is bet the under. Do not take the side. <laughs> Don't watch the game. Just check your phone for updates. And when it's 10 6 after three quarters, <laughs> you can thank me later. Yeah, well, Michigan, could, Michigan is flat. They're going to be flat. They have to be flat. And, and you know, Iowa is going to do everything possible to shorten that game. They're yeah, just going to try and shorten the up. game. How would you be if you're the OC at Iowa and you've got Spencer Petras at quarterback? What would you let him do? <laughs> yeah, especially with Hutchinson and Ajabu coming. Yeah, I know. On, I know. on the other side, it's just, if he, you know, if he hangs under the ball for more than like half a second, bad things are going to happen. Well, do you remember that the start of the Penn State game, and the fans might remember this, the first couple times he went back to pass and the play wasn't open right away, he threw the ball like 20 yards into the stands. Like he's been coached. Count to two and a half, man. And if you're still holding the ball, <laughs> throw it the hell away. I guarantee you're going to see that. Three-step well, drop. When people say that it can't happen, and I do I not know. anticipate Iowa right. beating Michigan, even though they might be flat, when people yeah. say it can't happen, I know. I, I always know. recall 2016 and yeah. how Harbaugh sphinctered up, and you know <laughs> he's going to channel Bo in this thing. And he'll, he will give Iowa a chance to win the game unjustly. You know he will. <laughs> that that 14-13 to 13 game that we watched in the bar and where were you, Indianapolis? Uh, yeah. The, the game they lost to Iowa? Yeah, the 14-13 game in 2016. Oh, oh that was, was the overtime game, right? Michigan was number two in the nation. There is yeah. no way in hell they should have lost that game. Iowa, but they yeah. did. That should have been Jim Harbaugh's first appearance in the college yeah. football playoff right yeah. then. Uh, but it wasn't. Yeah, I think there was a safety in that game that turned the tide for the Hawkeyes. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was horrible. It was you know horrible. what? I, 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 this is actually a backhanded compliment, and I know that it will not be received. That that might be the worst uh, ten and two team I've ever seen in my life, and I yeah, mean that I mean, because I said that. I wrote it's it. Kind of a compliment because they find ways to win, and you just want to like pull your how? hair out. Like, how is this team doing how? it? Yeah, yeah, and it keeps happening. 
Well, it's now, partly- Iowa fans are probably very proud of their team, but I'm sorry. They're from, you know, from one to 22 on the starter list. They're just, they just don't match up well with you most teams. You don't even teams. have, you know, the reason I asked you the question about top defenses in the league the yeah. last week, part of it was I wanted to see if you would ever even mention Iowa and you didn't. No, in your top they'd probably three. be four. They'd probably be four. So yeah. with that offense and the fourth <laughs> best defense in the league, they've done this. How? I mean, they keep doing it. I think it's partly an indictment of Big Ten quarterbacks. They're just and Nebraska football. Nineteen to no, a nineteen to no run at Lincoln. Did you blow see, a twenty-one to six lead? Did you see Dave Revson's stat on on the nine single-digit losses? No. This is remarkable. And it would take some guy like Dave Revson, who's a college football historian, besides being a great guy. Yeah. He came up with this. And, you know, because he researched it, he was very interested. The last time that's happened, nine single digit losses <laughs> for a big school team, Division 1A or yeah. FBS, is what it's called now. How long? 17, 1724? <laughs> I don't think it's ever happened. We, we, we I don't think up, it's ever happened. <laughs> uh, 1933. Oh, 1933. 85 years. years ago. 85 oh, yeah. years ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was oh, yeah. That's, that's amazing. It's remarkable. Are you going to watch that game or are you going to not watch it? You're going to watch it because you want to see Iowa, Iowa, Michigan? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Why would you not watch it? It's fascinating in the same way that you've watched defensive battles, haven't you? Where yeah. with incompetent offense. Remember the Michigan State Iowa game that got Michigan State into the tournament and they got waxed by Alabama. It was. The, I, I think. I think Michigan State won the game on like a thirty-one play drive that took like eighteen <laughs> minutes. It was. It was. It was just terrible. It's brutal. It's yeah. terrible. It's terrible. And what did we miss here? Uh, we we well, missed. Both, oh, the bowl. What do you think on the ball? Now, remember, they're going to learn their fate on Sunday. Is it, is it down to two or three places in your mind, or do you think you know where you they're know, going? I've gone back and forth with this. I had probably a half-hour conversation with Jerry Palm out walking uh, Kaiser uh, yep. a night or two ago. And okay. I went back and forth because we kept thinking of different aspects of it. The pecking order, technically, is Vegas fourth, Nashville fifth, New York City sixth, so, so that's uh, Vegas, Las Vegas Bowl, Music City Bowl, uh, yes. Pinstripe Bowl. The problem is that Vegas, you know, that's a 1030 kick. I Eastern. do know that. I yeah. do know. Yeah. So I don't think that's happened since the Holiday Bowl in 89 with the Penn yeah. State team. Right. That is really kind of off the map as far as something they would do. Uh, so there's the problem there. Um, but Vegas would say every all of those bowls would certainly want Penn State. Mm-hmm. Nashville, you've got the problem with Franklin has he kind of had a messy history at the end of his tenure there. Did a hasn't great it job. Been long hasn't, hasn't it been long enough though? Now, do you think? To, to no, but 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 I, I maybe. But the local press, the local media will dredge all that stuff up, and it's not just the rape scandal. He left kind of on on squirrely terms. You know, he was talking like Nick Saban did with the Dolphins. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. And then he was out the door. I don't know if he'll be comfortable in that in that realm. So we could, after all this, end up in a, in a, in a crappy season. Him saying, look, we don't need to deal with the travel. We yeah. no mess, no fuss. Maybe they end up in New York again, you know, because it's easy Fans can get to it during the COVID, another COVID variant. 
maybe yeah. they just all get together and decide, you know, th- this might be the easiest way to just end the season. We can get back to recruiting and, and do all that. So I'm wavering. I, I'm, I'm, I said Vegas. I'm going to stick with that. But but the time really has me worried. I just don't know if they would do that. I don't think the world's ready uh, for me and Greg Pickle to be in Las Vegas on a, a pseudo expense account. Vegas so, is ready for you. New Jersey. I can have just as much fun in, in a North Jersey bar. So I'm good with any choice. I would prefer, I prefer Nashville, but Hey, you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity <laughs> to go to all the bars That's in North good. Carolina. That's Maybe pretty good. Meet some That's new pretty good. people. I've heard yeah. Hoboken is lovely. We'll see. Anyway, Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Forget everything we said because it's probably going to be outdated in 90 minutes. He's Dave Jones. I'm Bob Flounders. And we will talk to you guys soon. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live. <laughs> <laughs>